Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks so much for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you're getting podcasts from. We appreciate everybody tuning in, especially our great servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Hearing a little birdie telling me it's going to be any day now with Churn and Spoon. Looking forward to them being back up and running. Of course, Strange Brew has been with us this whole time. They've never let you down. They're never going to give you up. They're never going to let you down. They're never going to run around and desert you. But that you can get dessert there. Very true. I was hoping you'd hit that. I did. Yeah. Boom. You don't miss an opportunity. No. Not for dessert, especially. <laughs> I, if there's dessert, I'm probably going to eat it. I, I am the guy like, well, you, you going out with your friends, we're going to have a nice dinner, and I'm the guy that's getting dessert. Yeah. You guys so, want dessert? Yeah. This guy wants dessert. <laughs> yeah. No, if, you're, if you're one of those people that's like, I want to get dessert, but I don't want to be the only guy getting dessert, invite me along. I will get dessert and take the pressure. Oh, if you're getting dessert, I guess I can get dessert. You know, if we're going to be here anyway. Bam! I take the pressure off. Plus, I'm pleasant company. You are. You are. You're yeah. my favorite person to eat with on the beat. Uh, that's, that's You have good recommendations. I do have good recommendations. Did you see, uh, I don't know if you saw the this. Comedy's good. Let's get through this, the, 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 the things here. I, 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 we had a, I had a recommendation the other day, and uh, somebody was just like, oh, it was a good recommendation. I was like, well, no crap, it was a good recommendation. Yeah, that's what I do. That's who I am. That's that's my that's that's what Brian Haydad is all about, right? Anyway, I'm also about taking care of our sponsors as they take care of you. So go buy Strange Brew today. Get yourself a little extra shot. That what'd you have today? Uh, today I actually I went old school a little bit. Went, went uh well not old school for coffee for me. flavored. <laughs> Just had a regular old mocha. A mocha. Yeah. All right then. It was good. There you go. It's all good. You, you never miss. You know, you're a baseball guy. You never strike out at Strange Brew Coffee House. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we, we've been in contact with the FBI, the CIA, and local authorities, but we, are, we cannot be convinced that this is not a money laundering scheme from College Corner. They're laundering money, folks, but that money's going from their pockets to yours. So get on board. It's free money. All you've got to do is go to collegecornerstore.com and search for a gift card. And when you do that, you're going to get 30% off. So you can buy a $100 gift card for only $70. Again, I've been making this comparison. I think it's a good one. If you went and bought a polo that cost 70 bucks, and I just gave you 30 bucks at the end of that, buddy, the line would run from here to there. No reason not to be taking advantage of the special. I promise you it's not going to last forever. So take advantage of it while you can and go to collegecornerstore.com and go by either of their two locations if you want to see the merchandise uh, for yourself. They're in Ridgeland over by Fleet Feet. They're in uh, Flowood over by the Half Shell. And you can get a look at the biggest and best selection in central Mississippi of MSU merchandise at College Corner. The good folks over at Advantage Business Systems want you to know that now might be the time for you to think about upgrading and streamlining some of the stuff going on in your business. This is a time where every dollar counts. Every 
penny is important to you, so it makes sense to be as efficient as possible. Well, 45 years of experience with Advantage Business Systems, that tells you they know how to make businesses run and run effectively. So give them a call today, why don't you? You can call them at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. I gave it a little little wind up there. Yeah, on the radio, that's not going to have the same effect. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So yeah, Dalton Middleton, our our newest cohort on the beat. Yeah, he's been on the beat for what like a month now. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him. Yeah, and we'll see him eventually. But uh, he he said he was going to Tuscaloosa. He's like, I want to get wings. What do I get wings? So I told him to go to the Victory Grill. That's the best place for wings in Tuscaloosa. And he said basically, hey, that was a good recommendation. I, I really wanted to go. No bleep. You know, I, I know I I know it's a good recommendation. I recommended it. You don't you don't have to tell me I was there. <laughs> that's that was like yes that's that's sort of my my gig that's a, that's my job everybody on the beat has their job right you know Steve Robertson is our you know if we have a musical question we go to Steve Robertson got a baseball question I'm going to Joel Coleman wow if I got this a if I if I want to make fun of somebody's mom I call Tyler Horka but if you need to know where to eat you ask Brian Haydad he knows I know I don't like talking to third person. I can confirm. I don't know what Dalton's going to be good for yet. We don't know him that well yet. I know him, but I don't know him that well. Yeah, that's right. We'll find out, though. Everybody's got a niche. Yeah. What's Robbie Falks? Uh, wrestling's pretty pretty good. You know what? We'll give him the wrestling. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. He, he, might be, he might be the most knowledgeable amongst. Yeah. We're I down mean, to three. Yeah. Because I mean, Logan's cause, gone Because Robbie, he just sits around and binge watches WWE he watches Network, Network 24-7. A lot. Yeah. So. yeah. So. All right. We got a good show today. Two interviews today. So if you don't, this might be the only real talking we're going to do. Um, we got an SEC preview and an opponent preview. We'll do them both. We're going to start with the in the uh, with the opponent. Halloween night is when it's scheduled for Mississippi State versus Auburn in what is traditionally a game that, if, especially for State, if State wins that game, you can almost write in eight wins for them. And I would say that that's the case this year because I think State, if if the schedule holds, which if it does, it does. But I like their chances in the non-conference. I like their chances to beat Missouri, Ole Miss, and, and Arkansas. That would be seven. And then if they beat Auburn, that is eight wins. That's happening. So last year, <laughs> this this that that might have been the worst game of the season. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I think oh, yeah. I think it's between. It's so funny. You know, we we when we look back, what did we say all off season last year? That the Auburn-Tennessee back-to-back games would decide everything, right? That if you went 2-0, and you were going to have a really good year. If you split them, you'd still be okay. But if you went 0-2, you were going to struggle to get to six wins. And that is exactly what happened. And as bad as it was at Tennessee, and they did play poorly, at least defensively they looked competent in that game. They just didn't, you know. They, they had bro- a chance to win the game. They had a chance to win the game. The Auburn game was over in the first five minutes. And that may be generous. It may the be highlight of that. The, there was no highlights in this game. Even the mascot took it in this game. So, three hundred and sixty some odd days later, maybe more. You know, why? Obviously, Mississippi State is a completely different team, but are they enough of a different team, and do they have enough difference makers to turn around what was a total blowout a year ago? Well, I think that a little bit of that a year ago. I still think a lot of that's on Joe Morehead. I don't disagree. Um, they just weren't ready to play that day. Uh. But, you know the old saying, you're never as bad as you are on your worst day? That was their worst day. It was. They were not that bad. I mean, State was not a great football team a year ago, but they weren't that bad. 
And so I do think that things were skewed a little bit there. And then by the time they looked anywhere close to a competent football team, the game was way over. So, so one, I think the two schools were closer than they were a year ago on the school board. Uh, but two, uh, it's going to be in Starkville. That helps. You got this new offensive scheme, and we'll see what happens there. You've got a defense that's going to kind of be grown up a little bit up front on the defensive line. Uh, you don't really have the same concerns there anymore. I mean, yeah, Auburn's lost some, lost a little bit. You kind of feel like it's going to be a game at least. Do you see some of uh, Mississippi State 2019 and Auburn 2020? They lost a ton of, of their defense, and they bring back some good players. But if you're not sold on Bo Nix, you should not like this Auburn team. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, I mean, if what do we always factor into every evaluation we make, every prediction we make? You know, coach, quarterback, where's it played? Mm-hmm. I mean, one-third of that equation's up in the air for Auburn. Uh, and then they come to Starkville. Well, guess who has that advantage? Uh, and then, you know, you could make the argument uh, – if you like Mike Leach better as a coach than than Gus Malzahn. So uh, if you use the Haydad Coleman metrics, that kind of doesn't bode well for, for Auburn at all if Bo Nix is not what they hope Bo you're, Nix you're is. Right, you're right. And then and we're about to talk to uh, Tom Green from AL.com. We talked to Jason Caldwell just a couple weeks ago just about Auburn overarching. And they both talk about Chad Morris. Am I the only one that sees that as a negative I wouldn't want Chad Morris anywhere near my football program right now. I mean, unless, you know, I guess he and Moorhead are sort of in the same boat, but obviously uh, Morris's boat had a lot more holes in it than Moorhead's did. But nothing I saw from Chad Morris gives me any confidence. Yeah, well, Morris also inherited a boat that had more holes than Joe Moorhead's had. I guess you're right. But so there's that part, too. But I don't know. I, just, I, I, I don't see the hiring of Chad Morris as this huge positive for me. Yeah. So, it, but we'll see. I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, I don't see that as something that makes you go, "Hmm, that's yeah." It's not really eye opening. <laughs> I don't think in any way. So let's go ahead and get to that interview. Let's talk to uh, Tom Green. He covers the Tigers for AL.com, and uh, he joined us on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. All right, we just talked about Auburn in terms of just an overarching SEC preview a couple weeks ago, but now I want to focus a little bit more on the game itself between Mississippi State and Auburn. So joining us here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is our friend Tom Green. He covers the uh, Tigers for AL.com. Tom, this game every year, it feels like it's a swing game when you look at the schedule. You know, the, the teams have been relatively evenly matched over the past decade. Um, you know, State's won three of the last four here in Starkville. Just from an Auburn perspective, I know that Alabama and Georgia and probably LSU are, are, are much bigger games, but how much emphasis does this year-to-year get over there on the Plains? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's always a pretty big game just because, you know, it's a division rival. Um, well, not necessarily a rival, but, you know, a division opponent that, uh, you know, those games matter a little bit more. Um, you know, you, you look back to Auburn's last trip there in 2018, that, that game kind of, you know, was the buzzsaw for their season. You know, things just kind of, you know, di- didn't go as well from there um, after, you know, I yeah. uh, can't even think of the quarter. It was Nick Fitzgerald, I believe, just ran all over them. And, you know, Auburn had a few costly fumbles there that, uh, you know, prevented them from, you know, getting back in that game and really trying to take advantage and get a much-needed road win. 
Um, so, I th- so I think it's definitely a game that, you know, Auburn fans, you know, there's some significance there to them, even though it's not Alabama or Georgia or LSU. When, when you know, last season with Auburn, so good defensively. And I, I made the comment in the preseason that they reminded me a little bit of Mississippi State in 2018. Really, really good defensively, but they had question marks at quarterback. Now, I think Bo Nix answered a lot of those questions, but he's still got some things to prove. Now they've lost so much defensively. You know, Is the offense going to be good enough to carry them through some of these games this season? I think I think that really remains to be seen. You know, just because you're bringing in a new offense coordinator in Chad Morris, um, you know, and he hasn't really had a spring to, you know, really get on the field with these guys and really implement a system beyond what they've been able to do virtually. Uh, you know, these last few months. Um, so I think you know, there's probably going to be kind of a feeling out period. Um, you know, we've we've heard it from Gus Malzahn before that you know he's going to give up the keys to the offense, and it hasn't always worked out. He's always kind of jostled back for position, but I think this is going to be the first time that we actually do see him, you know, give a little bit more freedom to that offensive coordinator just because of his inherent trust with Chad Morris due to their longstanding relationship going back the last you know seventeen, eighteen years, whatever the exact number may be. Um, you know, they they have very similar systems, and I I think we should see an improvement from Auburn's offense, especially I think Bo Nix is going to take that next step from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Obviously had some really high highs last year, but also had some lows, and you could tell he was a freshman. Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest question for them is, you know, they, they lose all, you know, four of their five starters along the offensive line. Um, so you're going to have to rebuild their, um, you know, there's some, there's some promise, but there's some questions there. So we'll see just how long it takes for them to, you know, get in, you know, get in a, little rhythm there offensively and find their groove um but i think you know this defense is still going to be good Mm -hmm. the question is just how much better will the offense be this year and you know when we talked to jason caldwell a couple weeks ago he talked about the offensive line and how that's probably the biggest question mark for for the tigers against a defense like mississippi state you know i think it's state's defense is going to have some youth and it's a little bit unproven but they're going to bring a lot of pressure uh, even beyond mississippi state do you think this auburn offensive line you know, is going to be able to you know turn the corner and and gel by, by you know midseason when this game is going on. I think they should be able to. Um, you know, they'll they'll have an opportunity. You know, hopefully, uh, to you know, really depends on how the schedule shakes out and what goes on these Obviously, you know, next yeah. few weeks as the SEC makes a decision. But you know, they should have time to you know kind of work things out and figure out what that combination of best five up front is. I mean, you know, they they do bring back their starting center, so at least. There's you know some comfort there for Bo Nix in that you know he has that rapport with Nick Brahms already, and they've got some you know guys that they feel really good about on that offensive line, um, especially at the tackle positions with Brodarius Ham and Austin Troxel. If those are the two that you know lock down those starting jobs, so I think protecting you know Nix you know from the outside is uh, you know they'll feel pretty good about that. I think the interior might be a bit more of a question mark, um, but I also think. Bo Nix showed that he's savvy enough that, you know, he didn't take a lot of sacks in the pocket last year. He's been able to get out of the pocket and avoid that initial pressure um, and kind of buy time, with, buy time with his feet, even though he didn't always take off running. Um, I think his decision-making will be a little more sound this year. Um, so I, I think that they'll have some time to, you know, work through any issues along the offensive line early in the season. But that is definitely the biggest question facing this offense kind of seems like it's a yearly SEC tradition for Gus Malzahn to face some 
job scrutiny and uh this mississippi state game would obviously kind of uh you know play play into how how the job he's doing is perceived what is kind of the i guess the mood right now around gus and uh is there a little less pressure now than than perhaps uh there has been in the past is he a little more i guess settled in the in the minds of, of auburn fans and and just on the plains i guess how secure is gus malzahn right now I think the nature of, you know, Gus Malzahn's tenure is, you know, he, it feels like every season or every other season he's going to enter on the hot seat um, in some form or fashion. Um, you know, I think Auburn, you know, they're, they're not going to be as highly ranked coming into the season as, you know, they may have been in, you know, some other years under Gus Malzahn, but I do think that there's still going to be pressure on him. And this is something that he, you know, he acknowledges. Um, I believe it was last year at SEC Media Days, he, he said it felt like every other year, you know, his he's on the hot seat entering the season but i do think that there you know there are some questions there because you know he brings back a quarterback that he is very confident in one that he said you know he feels is going to win a championship before he leaves auburn um you know he brings in someone that he has a lot of trust in and believes to you know help turn around that offense but if the offense struggles again um you know those murmurs are going to start popping up again and, you know, questions are going to raise and people are going to be like, okay, what's the deal with Gus Malzahn, especially since you're another year into that contract and the buyout gets a little more, you know, palatable for uh, for the athletic department, though, you know, with everything that's happened the last four months, you know, the finances kind of remain to be seen and may hamstring teams that want to make a change, um, you know, all over. So we'll kind of see how it is, but... You know, there's always going to be a certain level of pressure on Gus coming into the season, especially you know, as long as Nick Saban is in this state and Alabama is as, as successful as it is, everything Gus Malzahn does will be held up to that standard. And you know, that's not entirely his fault, but you know, it's what he signed up for. Let's switch gears and let's look over on defense. Obviously, Mississippi State's a team that's going to be throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game this year. How, how good is that Auburn secondary? Is that a matchup they'll look forward to? You know, it's going to be a retooled secondary. You know, they lose four guys that were starters back there last season. But, you know, even those outgoing seniors last year, they felt that, you know, the secondary was going to be in good hands and might even be better this year. Um, you know, even though they lost a first-round cornerback in Oleg Benogany. Um, but, you know, the safety safeties could, be, could definitely be better. You know, Jamie Sherwood is a guy that, you know, hasn't been a starter the last two years, but he's seen the field a lot and, you know, he he grades out really well, and, you know, a lot of people think that he could be an early-round pick in next year's draft if he comes out as a junior. Um, you know, him and Smoke Monday will take it, over, take it over back there on the back end of the secondary. They bring back Roger McCreary at corner, um, who they feel is going to step in and become that number one guy again. He's had a lot of experience the last two years and has shown a lot of improvement. You know, Christian Tutt's the only returning starter. Uh, he started at nickel all last season. A uh, very capable guy uh, there in the slot. And then that, that other cornerback spot is really the big question. You know, they have Nehemiah Pritchett who's coming back as a sophomore. And, you know, they, he's probably the guy that's going to take over there, but he's going to be fighting it out with Marco Domio, who's coming in as their, you know, their top-rated junior college signee um, and someone that they, they feel could really make an impact coming in there with that second and help out. Um, so even though they might not have, you know, the starting experience that they've had in, you know, the last couple of years, I think they feel really good about that secondary coming into the season. 
Auburn is such an interesting team every year. It feels like they're a team that has a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows. You know, they lose a game every so often they shouldn't be losing, but then they win games every so often that they, they shouldn't be winning. Just overall with this Auburn team, what are your thoughts on it uh, going into the season? I mean, it's definitely been a program that, uh, you know, historically has kind of subverted expectations. Um, you know, when, when there's a lot of hype coming around or, you know, around them coming into the season, you know, they kind of just, they're, they're middling teams, you know, seven, eight wins. When, you know, they're counted out, they, you know, compete for the SEC West or, you know, go to a, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or play for the National Championship or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, this season, I, th- I think so much of it just depends on what Chad Morris is able to do with that offense. Um, I think Kevin Steele has proven in his, you know, tenure as Auburn's defense coordinator that that defense is going to come ready to play. You know, even though you have to replace Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and Billy Benogany over there, you know, they rotate enough guys, especially along that defensive line, where they feel that they shouldn't miss a beat defensively. So whether Chad Morris can take that offense to the next level and really bring his style and his passing game uh, into the fold will really dictate just how well Auburn can do this season. Um, as, as far as, you know, win total, I, I haven't really thought that much about it, uh, you know, looking at the schedule just yet. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to be one of those teams that should be, you know, top two or three in the division, certainly. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the uh, the game is played on Halloween night here in Starkville or whenever. We'll just hold out and find out what the SEC wants us to do. Tom Green, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gus. All right, thanks to Tom for his time. We certainly appreciate him coming on and joining us on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. And let's move on over to our other uh, interview for tonight, and that's uh, talking about Tennessee. But before that, let's talk about our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. They're hooking me up with the burgers this weekend. I've been talking about these burgers. Guys, the only way for me to really get that point across to you is for you to try them for yourself. You really need to give Welcome Home Beef a call. Come by the store in Starkville. Get them to ship some of these burgers to you. They are absolutely one of the best burgers, if not the best burger, you're ever going to have. They're not just, they're not just the trimmings, man. This is not just, you know, hey, what's left from the hoof? Hey, we got a little horn meat here. Throw that in. No, this is real cuts of beef getting ground up into burgers, and it really does give you that feel that you're eating a steak on a bun. I can't recommend them any more than that. Give them a call today. And, of course, whatever you're looking for from Welcome Home Beef, whatever cut of meat you want to try to get, give them a call. They're always willing to help. They're always going to give you great service with a smile. So call them today at 662-418-2021 or go online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. You can get a look at a lot of stuff there. Their menu, they've got a, a lot of great recipes up there, some cooking videos, some how-to stuff. It's, it's worth checking out. So facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. Wherever you're doing Welcome Home Beef, one promise that not only that I will give it to you guys know me. You know that I'm probably a little bit of a BS artist sometimes. But Joel Coleman is a man of the cloth. So when he tells you the following <laughs> statement, by God, you know it's true. Joel, what do you know about Welcome Home Beef? Whatever you get, it just tastes Good. Let's talk to Wes Rucker about the Tennessee Volunteers. He covers the, the orange and white for uh, Go Vols 24-7. He's got a lot to say about this Tennessee team. Let's hear from him now. Let's continue the SEC preview. We're back in the SEC East. We're on Rocky Top talking Tennessee athletics and on the Welcome uh, welcome Home Beef Hotline, our good friend Wes Rucker from uh, Vols 24-7. 
you know, we were there in Knoxville last year where the, the Tennessee season, I felt that's where it turned around was against Mississippi State uh, a season ago. It really was the tale of, of two seasons, I guess, if you want to go cliched for the Vols. Look, going, looking into 2020, which team is, is the real Tennessee? You know, I mean, I think the, the easy thing to, to guess is that it's maybe somewhere in between those things. Certainly, you know, Tennessee's that back half of the schedule, clearly, you know, they didn't have some of those games that they had early on in the season. But then again, I mean, they opened the season with a loss of Georgia State. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what can you really say about that? You know, it, it's, um, it, it's interesting how I'm not sure, because I've been doing this for, gosh, 20 years now. I'm showing my age. And, and I, I've seen lots of different kinds of seasons. I've seen lots of, uh, you know, gray seasons, like championship caliber seasons. I've seen some horrible seasons where, where coaches had to be fired. And I've seen a lot in between, and I don't know that I've seen many seasons that kind of, you know, just flipped as, as kind of like that one did. It was just really, really quick, and, and I don't know, I don't think it was just one thing. I, I think a combination of things came together, um, but if you want to pin it on one thing, I, I think they just sort of, they, they just sort of learned eventually. They just, they, they stuck together, they fought, they got a little bit healthier on defense. And, and they started getting better. And you look at the way they're recruiting now, and you, you look at what they're building up front. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're Tennessee again, the Tennessee that I've known in the past. Uh, but but they're getting closer to that. Obviously, you know, one of the big stories last year for Tennessee was the quarterback situation going back and forth uh, between Garantano and uh, and Brian uh, Marr. You know, injury. Uh, I, I think he was in the uh, the Mississippi State game again, where where Morrow looked like he had hold of that job, and, and then you know gets hurt in that game. You had the incident at the Alabama game. You know, where is the quarterback position uh, for this season? Who's going to take? Who's going to be QB one going into the year? Well, you know, it, it's kind of been interesting that that if you have to guess, you just at this point take Garantano. I mean. He's kind of one of those weevils, right? He wobbles and and he maybe does fall down occasionally, but he gets back up. Uh, it's been if you could figure out what's going on with Jared Garantano, if you could figure that out, you would be a very wealthy person <laughs> because you would have a key to uh, a big mystery that a lot of people have had for years. Uh, it has absolutely never been a talent issue with him. Uh, the kid can make every throw on the field. Uh, he's not a great athlete like a Joshua Dobbs, but he's a good athlete, uh, and, and he he has the ability to make throws that only good quarterbacks can make. Uh, but then he has moments where you go, I, I don't know what you're looking at there. It, it's it's kind of baffling, and I will say that a quarterback, you know, that any mistake you make there, it, it's certainly maybe cornerback is the only place on the field that also every time they make a huge mistake, it's that obvious. You know, yeah. and, and so I think that's he's just got to figure out how to keep the thing switched on. I do think that he has to go in to camp whenever that eventually happens. I think he's probably got to go into that as the clubhouse leader. Um, but, you know, Tennessee's brought all of those guys back, and Tennessee uh, has signed another kid, you know, uh, one of the top quarterback prospects in America is there now also as a freshman. So that they've got pieces there. Um, and I think they've got some options, but but I think Garantano being a fifth year senior, a guy who you know, I'm not going to say he and Jeremy Pruitt are ride or die together, but they've been <laughs> through a lot together, and they uh, they like each other on a personal level quite a bit, uh, and so I, I think that that team right now 
being where it is, you look at having to replace a, a lot of those wide receivers. Uh, you, you look at the fact that, that they've got so many other parts of the, of the passing game that are going to be new or relatively new. And I think all of that kind of lends itself to saying, well, Garantano is probably the guy if he doesn't screw it up. But, you know, he screwed it up before a few times. So I, I don't know. That's the really short way to answer what I just said for a long time. But it's, it just remains a mystery until someone proves it's not. I like Tennessee's backfield. I think Chandler and Gray, that's a really good combination back there. you got a lot to work with. But losing Jawan Jennings and Marquez Calloway, to the, you know, they're off to the pros. That's two big-time targets off the board there. Who, who are the receivers that, that whoever is quarterback is going to be looking to this year? Well, I think the good news if you're Tennessee is that the most physically gifted of all your wide receivers is back, and that's Josh Palmer. Uh, this has been a kid who uh, I've been high on this kid since he showed up at Tennessee as a freshman from Canada who not a lot of people really knew much about, but I watched him and said, wow, that's a heck of an athlete there. You know, uh, that kid, he is big, he's physical, he's fast. I think it was two years ago he was one of the nation's leaders in yards per catch throughout the entire season, average, I think, more than 20 a grab. Uh, he's never really had to, to be relied on as the main guy, but he's been a guy who has made a lot of big plays before. So he's clearly a guy who's going to have to step up behind him. They have some options, uh, and they've, they've added, I think, a really nice speed component to this class. They've signed three wide receivers in this class who I think can absolutely fly, and, and they will they will give Tennessee something different there because Tennessee's kind of had those big power forward type dudes. You know, Palmer's one of those guys a little bit. Uh, Jennings certainly was was an absolute dog in that way. Callaway was like that. These are you know six two, six three, six four, big physical kind of box you out, you know, 40-inch vertical type dudes. Tennessee's going to have a couple of shiftier guys who can kind of make you miss and go now. Uh, so I think they'll be pretty decent there, a wide receiver. The, the question is, will they have anybody who can step up and make those plays and just bail them out the way that Jennings and, and the way that Callaway did for the past couple of years? Because if you had taken Juwan Jennings off that Tennessee team the past couple of years, um, it would have been a whole lot worse. They relied on him for a lot. Basically, when things got bad, it was just chuck it to 15, he'll make something happen. And without that component this year, they're going to have to have somebody step up and do that. They're going to have to get some plays from the tight end position. They also lost uh, the starting tight end of the NFL. So so they've got some pieces there in in the passing game to replace. But I I think in terms of pure athleticism, I think they're going to be as good or better than they were. It's just not much in the way of proven experience. Kind of a big-picture question here, Wes, but Jeremy Pruitt, what's kind of the feel around him in Knoxville? Is is everyone bought in at this point, everyone convinced that, that he's the man for the job? Because it doesn't seem like all that long ago where, you know, there was some question, was it going to work or not? But Tennessee does seem to be on the, on the rise. Um, is everyone pretty well at the point where they believe Jeremy Pruitt is the man for the job in Knoxville? I mean, I don't know if I could ever speak for everyone in a in a fan base the size of Tennessee's. I mean, that's kind of an army, you yeah, know. Yeah. But 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 I you know I think everybody knows that. I mean, you can't miss their color, right? You <laughs> from a mile away. But I mean, it, it's there's a lot of them, and they have very very different opinions. You know, they 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 they're they're big First Amendment types because they've all got opinions <laughs> on them. But I think by and large, I do think that that most people really like this guy. And i got to tell you, after covering Butch Jones for several years, I find Pruitt to be a nice change of pace. You know, I think a guy who's kind of frank and direct and honest and comes right at you right over the top with something, 
You know, I mean, he doesn't really beat around the bush. He's kind of like that Ron Swanson, the bowling, like right down the middle, no spin, no fuss. I mean, that's just kind of, that's who this guy is. And when you have a situation where it doesn't work out with the previous coach, usually you're going to bring in somebody who's a lot different. And I don't know if you could find two human beings who are different than Bush Jones and Jeremy Pruitt. I don't know if you could find two guys who are more different. But that's been what Tennessee needs right now. This guy has contacts all over the South. Uh, he's certainly a good recruiter. Uh, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't that long ago he was a high school coach. So he knows a lot of people, and he was a great recruiter for Bama, Georgia, Florida State. Uh, he, he kind of established himself as a really good defensive coordinator. Actually, you know, State maybe had a chance to get him before Tennessee did. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, and, and, and maybe the way things work out there, you go, ah, you know, maybe could have had him. You know, that's how it happens sometimes. But I think he's a guy who, I, I said before, I don't, I don't make a lot of guarantees in this business. I don't. But I will not be surprised if this guy has success because he just kind of, He's a football guy. He understands these people, this culture. He can recruit. He's not afraid to make bold decisions in games. His players absolutely love him. I mean, you know, him coming forward is one of the most active voices in the social justice movement from, from college football head coaches. I don't know if a lot of people saw that coming. No. Um, but, I mean, he, he's done that, and his players absolutely love the guy for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say that, that, that Tennessee is – back yet you know people have said this too many times in recent years you know oh i think you know kiffin can bring him back oh look at dooley's attitude you know he's going to bring him back you know bush jones is getting people excited i'm going to need to see it at this point to believe it but tennessee is still a place where you can win at the highest level and i think this guy has the ability to become that kind of guy you just got to get through georgia and florida which you know i mean hey getting back getting tennessee back at least above the above the bottom part of the East, that had to happen. And they've done that because that's an embarrassing place that program never needs to be. They got out of that. That was good. Well, now you got to go catch Georgia and Florida, and that, that's, a, you know, that's a bigger piece of the pie. So they're going to have to work for that, but I think they got a chance. If we were doing an SEC draft and I gave you the first pick, would you take Trey Smith? Uh, you know, it's tough to say that because, you know, I mean, I guess, I'll put it this way. I guess I'm asking, of, like, outside of injuries, if we, if we put it in a vacuum just on talent. Yeah, like, if I could just, if you could say, if I could take all those health risks and throw them out the window, yeah. uh, I would say without a doubt, 100%, inarguably, he is one of the best leaders as people and, and really one of the best, most impressive young people that I've been around. I mean, this kid has been through absolute hell. Uh, he just has, you know. Uh, his mother passed away before he came to Tennessee, uh, he certainly had the blood clots he's had to deal with while he's at Tennessee. Um, twice he's been told he might not ever play the game again. And, and last season, he did what he did despite getting zero full contact practices at all during the regular season because he wasn't able to do it. So this guy, if you can imagine basically where someone is on like the toward the very end of preseason camp, right, like 13, 14 practices, something like that, that thereabouts, is where that's what he had at the end of the season. That's all the contact he had. And so for a guy to kind of play at that level, despite having to kind of learn on the fly again, get back into shape, not be able to hit people during the week, it's, it's just, I mean, it's absurdly impressive. I mean, this kid, I remember the first time, his first game in Tennessee, they played Georgia Tech. Uh, it's kind of a wild game. Tennessee won a couple overtimes. Fun game. But he just absolutely annihilated people up front for most of that game as a true freshman. And I know Tech's not in a great situation right now, 
but that's still an ACC team, and that was the first game of his career. And by the end of that year, he just kind of kept doing that to people. And there were a couple NFL people I knew who told me he could have been drafted if he'd been eligible to come after his freshman year. I mean, as a lineman, you just don't hear that very often. So, yes, as, as a player, as a person, would I take 1-1 on Trey Smith? I absolutely would. Uh, the question is going to be, when it comes to this point next year, um, you know, or I guess eight, nine months from now, whenever it is, will he be able to prove to them that he's healthy? Uh, will he get the, the, the news he needs from the doctors? That's going to be important because you're going to probably need to practice or so maybe once a week in the league. If you can do that, you're okay. He's just got to prove he can do it because that's a lot of money for a pick. Let's talk about the defense before we get out of here, obviously. We spent a lot on the offense there. Two of the top tacklers gone, uh, Daniel Batuli, and one of my favorite players over the past few seasons, Nigel Warrior. Great name, but a really good player on top of that. What does this defense look like for Tennessee this year? Yeah, Tennessee safeties last season when it was Nigel Warrior and Tank, you know, and Tank, uh, you know, McCullough. Those were a couple of pretty good safety names right there. Yeah. You know, I'll give you that. But I'll give you a better one. This year they got a freshman coming in by the name of Danico Slaughter. Ooh, um, good. Which, yeah, is a kid who actually stayed with his first um, stayed with his first offer uh, when he uh, SEC offer, and then he chose Tennessee late in the process. Kid from Atlanta. But bottom line is, uh, Tennessee's got to replace um, you know one of the best head rushers in college football, and Daryl Taylor, guy who went early in second round to the Seahawks. Um, that's going to be a guy they got to replace. That's tough. Uh, Daniel Batuli, kind of the heart and soul of that defense there, middle linebacker, and Nigel Warrior on the back end, who you know. Came to Tennessee as a huge prospect and kind of took him about three and a half years to really get going where he needed to be, but he got there. Um, and he ended up being a pretty darn good safety. So Tennessee's got some, 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 some replacements to make it at sort of some important spots. But overall, they are returning a lot more uh, than they're losing. Uh, they've got just, uh, I think, one of the best two, three top corners. You know, one of the top cornerback groups, I think, in the league, Bryce Thompson's just a sensational player. Then you got Alante Taylor there. You know, you've got you've got three or four guys there at corner who are pretty good players. Um, McCall is a good safety. Henry Toto is one of the best, you know, young linebackers in college football. Um, and they're replacing or bringing back their top, like, eight defensive linemen, I think. Like, yeah. every defensive lineman from last year is back. And they get back Emmett Gooden, who probably would have been their best defensive lineman if he hadn't torn his ACL in camp. So I don't know that they're going to be just an all-world, like, elite defense. Um, but I know that they're going to be pretty good. And the reason for that is they've got one of the best defensive coaching staffs in college football. I mean, Jerry Pruitt and Derek Ansley, this was a guy, Pruitt a couple years ago was the highest paid, you know, was one of the best young defensive coordinators in the game. And then you had Derek Ansley, who was the highest paid secondary coach in the NFL. And, and, and now those two guys are on Tennessee's defense. Uh, so they're going to be pretty good again. And they got last year, as soon as they got a couple of their big guys back after those first two games, they got a lot better. They're going to be pretty good on defense. Now, I'll give you one caveat. They have got to find a pass rush. Um, they've got a couple guys coming back. Um, Kevon Bennett, who's actually um, you know Biscuit Bennett's son, uh, he's a guy who uh, is a pretty solid player. They bring in a couple, they've got a couple of young guys, Crouch, uh, they got a couple other guys, Roman Harrison. They've got some guys off the edge, but they really, really got to replace Daryl Taylor. If they can do that, they're going to be fine on defense. Uh, I'll put it this way. They'll be okay, I think, no matter what. But if they get an edge rush, they'll be pretty darn good. That's the way I look at them on that side of the ball. So prognosticate this season for me. Let's, let's play the game that everything's normal and we're going to play 12 games and everything. 
You know, how does this season look for Tennessee? I mean, I think this, this could be the first time in uh, a while that Tennessee's going to be kind of an eight-win regular season team again. I think that that kind of ability is there. If they play 12 games, I mean, we're you know we're assuming they're going to play the full schedule, right? Which, knock sure. on wood, I don't think any of us think that's going to happen at this point. But uh, if they do, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this team's got the ability. Um, you know, it, it's just it comes down to a couple of things. One, can they get decent quarterback play? If they can get pretty good quarterback play, that's number one. Number two, can they find a pass rush? It's not that Tennessee has a lot of questions. They're really good in the kicking game, pretty good in the return game, pretty good on defense. I think they're going to be able to run the ball better this year. They should have, I think, maybe one of the best offensive lines in the SEC, if not all of college football. They're going to have a lot of experience and a lot of big guys up there and a lot of guys who are going to play on Sundays. So a lot of the pieces are there. It's not like there are many questions. They're just really, really tough questions. You know, they're tough places to have questions. I'll put it that way. They've got to get good quarterback play, and they've got to find a pass rush. If they do those two things, then, you know, they, they might be right there, um, you know, kind of behind Georgia. They're maybe battling with Florida right there in the east. Um, but if, if not, you know, then they're going to be maybe a, you know, 7-8 win team again. So I think the ability is there. Um I, I, I never really say much until I see them in camp a little bit and see how healthy they are, see where everything is. But I would guess, probably right now, if you said, like, gun to the head, you got to guess. I mean, I think this is this could be an eight-win team. I really do think that. I think it's got the ability to, to do some good things. I think it's a program going in a better direction. Um, but is it going to be everything it used to be? Not yet, but I think this could be a step in the process. They remind me a little bit of Texas A&M last season in that they could win eight games and be one of the top 15 teams in the country because they play Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Alabama this season. We play four of the top maybe five teams in the country just right there. So it's, it's just such a tough schedule. But I, I agree. And with you know, it's funny, yeah. it's funny that if it goes that way, you know, if I was thinking about this the other day, if they go, to a, if they go from a 12-game mixed schedule to kind of a 10-game SEC-only schedule, Oh, if, yeah. they, if they went that way like the Big Ten did, if they do that and then they add just whatever your next two rotated games would be from the West for Tennessee, that includes a trip to LSU this year. So if, if that gets rescheduled, uh, if that gets jumbled up, there's a chance that their schedule doesn't get any easier. So, <laughs> so you lose Oklahoma you know, to pick up LSU. That's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that might be how it goes, which is, which is really interesting. It's kind of been the way it's gone for Tennessee recently. But, you know, it, it's – Here's what you got to think about. If you're Tennessee, that's the waters you're used to swimming in. Like, I think yeah. it's weird because kids of a certain age now probably don't know this, but college football has been played for a heck of a long time. And I think Tennessee's still one of the 10 winningest programs in, in Division One history. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a program where if you do the thing right, uh, you should be competing with everybody. It's just Tennessee lost its way for a decade or so, which is a pretty long time. And people forgot that Tennessee can do that. Well, if you do the job here correctly, you can do that. You just, you know, you got to get your stuff together, um, you know, and put out a better product on the field. And I think they're on their way to doing it. We'll see what happens. Wes Rucker, Go Vols 24-7, obviously one of the, the long-time guys. And Joel and I are jealous of you, just so you know, because you got Bill Martin up there yeah. running media for you. That guy's yeah. the best. Yeah, I've liked, I've liked old Bill lately. I've decided, I haven't decided if I'm going to call him Q-Ball or not. I don't oh. know if he's going to like that if I do. <laughs> 
But uh, I like the guy. I like the guy so far. But then again, that's because probably because we haven't been on campus much and he hasn't had a chance to cuss at me yet. No, but, you'll, I mean, you'll you know. like him plenty, man. Great guy. Tell him we said hello when next time you uh, you speak to him, please. Will do. I had nothing but good things to say so far. So Thank- good stuff. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Wes. No problem. Anytime, guys. All right. Thanks to uh, Wes for for joining us. We really really appreciate his time. Tennessee is one of the most interesting teams this year because they have that weird schedule where they they play probably the three best teams in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and one of their non-conference games is one of the best teams in the country in Oklahoma. Yeah. And that's just tough. Sort of similar, like I said, with a, if A&M last year had gone 8-4, and four, I would have bought into the idea that A&M was not only going to be a top 15 team last year but was ready to take that next step. But they, they didn't. They, they lost an extra game, and I just feel like it's just what they're going to do. Tennessee is in that spot now. If Tennessee goes 8-4, and four, I'm telling you right now that within a year – Pruitt's going to have the way he's recruiting. He's going to have them set and ready to roll. Uh, but if they don't, if they if they slip up and lose the game to, I don't know Missouri or or whoever. I don't know who their other. I didn't really look at the schedule. Who their other uh, West game is, but they need to you know they need to find ways to 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 get through that. So we'll see what happens with, with the Volunteers. They're an interesting team uh, for sure. And and Jeremy Pruitt's an interesting coach. It's also the thing to cover with Pruitt is that every time you see him, you're going to think. Could have been at state. So if he does take Tennessee up, you're gonna think, "Gosh, you know, did, did they miss out?" So we'll see. All right, tomorrow's show. Their other West game, yeah, is Arkansas. Okay, so they're they're gonna win that game. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they lose. Do they lose to Missouri or Kentucky or something like that? We'll see. All right, tomorrow's show. We've got a couple of sports related items, not football. I want to talk about a little bit about the NBA draft. I saw a mock draft that had some uh, some maybe some good and some bad news as far as Mississippi State prospects are concerned. Plus, I want to dive in a little bit more to this baseball news that's come out about uh, scholarships. I-, I want to try to get some more information about that before before then, but I want to talk a little bit about that. Could it be something that affects Mississippi State uh, in a positive or negative way? So we'll, we'll find out more about that on tomorrow's show. Guys, thanks so much for joining us here today. We really appreciate it. Be sure, if you haven't already, to wherever you get your podcast from, why don't you uh, take a second and give Joel and I a... Five-star review. We would appreciate it. You can say whatever you want about us in the comments. You can can blast us. But five stars on the review. We would appreciate it. For Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Delayed reaction there. Yeah, I was was reading the text. I'm sorry. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.